Do you want to bring balance to all the wireless radiation fields in your life, including 5G? The Omnia Radiation Balancer is a small sticker you can stick on any device. It changes the state of the field and creates a new resonance between the wireless radiation and your energy field. On the link below you'll see all our testing results that show how the body responds excellently once you've made this change in your life. And here's a special offer for the Journey to Truth crowd. Just enter the word TRUTH in caps at the checkout for your 10% discount. It's easy to bring balance back to your body with the Omnia Radiation Balancer. This is totally unreal that this happened like in 1942 on this planet. because I'm, I'm scared shitless that someone's going to find this stuff. And she destroyed her copy. And that's where, you know, I, I've been spending the last however many years trying to, I transcribed all of it. And then now I'm actually going through the process of trying to get my story kind of organized internally as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're doing a pretty good job of it. <laughs> yeah, you're doing an amazing um, job. All right, let's jump in. Let's jump back into this so we don't waste any time here. Um, all right, welcome back, guys, uh, for part two of Johan's testimony. I know we didn't get to cover a whole lot of his testimony because we were just going uh, all over the place, covering a lot of information in the first part. And if you missed the first part, you might want to listen to it uh, because otherwise you'll be lost going into part two here. We're going to try and jump back into his testimony um, where we left off. And uh, we're going to go from there and see what else comes through. Uh, this is fascinating. So buckle in. <laughs> um, so we were at, uh, going back to your testimony, I think we ended up, you, you, you kind of finished up telling us what you did with Kruger. Uh, and then what happened after your time in, with Kruger? Um, my, what after that? my very final mission with Kruger was in Syria. And again, we were retrieving Mobius tech. So Basically, the story that I've been told, and I remember part of it in my recalls, was that I lost my leg in that mission. And for a clone, it's not a big deal. Typically, they would just send you into the lab, they have it rebuilt, and then you go back to doing your job, whatever that is. Well, in this particular mission, what happened was that we essentially stumbled into the middle of a firefight between the Syrians and the Americans. Oh, and or I should say NATO forces, but it's primarily U.S. Army Rangers. And the same guy that I told you about, this John uh, John Lynch, was there with the U U.S. Army Rangers, giving them direct, uh, like intelligence and actionable intelligence stuff, right? Yeah. And if you can imagine being on a battlefield as a soldier, right? And here you are thinking that you're the best trained of the of the, of the U.S. military, the U.S. Army Rangers, and 
you're shooting the Syrians, you're trying to defend yourselves. Out of nowhere, you see this hole in the sky open up and 15 guys essentially that are in super upgraded body armor and super upgraded weaponry drops out of the sky via DLI into the ground. That would make most soldiers crap their pants. And that was pretty much the response because everybody stopped shooting when they saw it happen. And who was that group? That was my group. Oh, that was your group. That okay. And then so, what? And then you? What happened after that? Yeah. We were in, we were in an urban environment, and some of the guys, most of the guys, shifted to the right and were trying to go around some buildings. My fire team was trying to provide support for them to give them cover to do that. And all of a sudden, the Syrians started opening up on our position. Well, Peter and Peter the Insider and two of our other guys ran out of ammo and they had tried to get, I tried to give them time to get in cover to get ammo. And this is the story where I was telling about the light shield that I popped up. And oh, yeah, yeah. Peter joked with me. He said, he said that was both the, the coolest thing to ever see and the dumbest thing to ever do on a battlefield <laughs> all at the exact same time. And I'm like, what? why? He goes, because he goes, you basically showed Terran soldiers that there's people that have abilities they don't have. Uh, now, you so this this battle took place here on Earth, just to clarify. In Syria, okay. yes. So, and I mean, we... Our, our equipment, our waypoint device on our wrist, we knew Mobius Tech was in the area. We're trying to look for it. And we got caught right in the middle of this battle trying to find this stupid Mobius Tech. And when I put the shield up, they had ran for cover. Everyone's firing at me. I'm hearing, I'm actually watching the shells hit the light shield and hitting the ground. The kinetic energy from the, the shell hitting is forcing me, kind of vibrating me backwards. You can see your feet kind of doing this as it's moving you back. And in training, we, we called that leaning in. You lean in against the force using the light shield. And essentially, you don't ever fall because the, the kinetic energy hitting the shield is holding you up. In the, in the actual motion of, of the shell is actually scooting you backwards. So you're never actually following in any direction. So here I am doing this and Peter finally yells at me, he says, you need to get to cover now. So I dropped the light shield and, and I basically Kruger ran over to that location mm -hmm. and I, you know, super soldier ran over there. And um, at, at the end of that mission, this CI attache was pissed that we were there trying to retrieve the tech he wanted. And our vehicle got hit. I lost my leg. I wake up in this tube. And essentially, there's a, a, an egghead there who's trying to do their stuff, trying to rebuild my leg. I'm actually looking down with my mask on. And there's this, these femtotech devices actually rebuilding my entire leg from scratch. So I'm watching wow. the bone, the, the tissues, the, the, all the cartilage, the, art, the arteries, everything getting rebuilt. And um, pretty, pretty creepy, to be blunt. But it, I watched it happen, and I tried to get out of the tube at one point. And the doctor's like, "Don't do that. Just wait until you're you're done, right?" So when I got done. They actually I was sitting on this table, and they had this guy come in as a suit, and basically he comes in. He's from JDFC. And he he's talking directly to Gabriel Kruger. And Gabriel came in, and basically he said, uh, "We're going to transfer ten assets from our group to this MDF group." And I got chosen to go to MDF. Gabriel's like, your time with Kruger is done. He is, and he's actually talking to me, looking at me right in the face. He goes, he goes, well, I want you to remember one thing. He goes, once you're a Kruger, you're always a Kruger. Interesting. And so I got transferred to MDF at that point. I got put back into my one point of body. 
Uh, I was told that a clone, by Peter, I was told the clones were destroyed. 1.0 body, what is that? Your original body? Is that body? Yeah, okay. Body. Yeah. Um, I got sent to Mars to do training there again. And when we got there, MDF, they had all, think about this, right? So I've been through all this stuff with, you know, super soldier training, MK Ultra and Kruger. I get to Mars and they put me basically right back in boot camp again. So I'm kind of like, what in the hell is this? In your original body. How yeah. did it feel being back in your original body? Did it take getting used to it or was it just natural? Um, well, the altar had to adjust to a genetically inferior body because the bodies we currently have are genetically manipulated by other ET species. Our genetics are kind of muddied. The clone bodies have been cleaned up. They have no genetic defects whatsoever in them. Okay. So when you're trying to channel psychic energy through that, it doesn't hurt that body necessarily. This body can cause damage, which is why typically regen tanks and hollow, hollow med beds and that kind of stuff are being used. Yeah. But at this point, I went through all of that. What I didn't realize was on one of our missions, I looked up and we saw this large ship jump. It's a triangular ship, looked like a Corellian cruiser from Star Wars. Mm. We actually heard the shockwave of the ship jumping into the, gra the gravitational area around Mars. And I look up and I'm seeing the ship, and this little bright glint comes out of the ship, and heads right down to Ares Prime. And the guy who was our lieutenant basically told us, he goes, he goes, don't ever trust those freaking German bastards because they're fucking crazy. <laughs> and I was like, who? You know, like, who's he talking about, right? Yeah. So I continued doing missions for them. We did training for them. What I didn't realize was is our whole group, you know, our whole company, even some of the, the parts of our battalion were being screened for potential NWR deployment. Now, what we got told was is this. They said in our training battalion, they said, if you guys actually make it, you'll be assigned to an actual active company, first off and foremost. Well, at the end of my time with, with MDF, everybody in my group had been assigned to a company, but they hadn't been moved yet, right? There's three of us that did not get moved, me, my A-gunner, and another guy in my fire team. We were the three guys who did not get moved. And we all get called up in front of the command. And at this point, I was a 02, I think, first lieutenant. And uh, this guy that I'm calling the old man was in the room yelling at this captain. And um, basically, he decided to go ahead and make a um, personnel change by taking me and these other two gentlemen into Nakwa from Rajir. Which is Dark Fleet. Yes. Yeah. And at that point, he comes out and he goes, okay, are you ready to be an actual part of the real dark tip of the spear? I said, well, I thought that's what we were doing. He's like, no, no, no. He goes, you don't even understand. Hmm. I said, well, yeah, if you're giving me the option of going somewhere instead of being blank slated, yes, I will take that option. And we were all taken off, off Mars up to this ship, which was the USS Patton I talk about, the Patton, yeah. George, George Patton. And... Um, at that point, that's where my journey with Dark Fleet began. It was there. I actually started off as a security officer, and I was head of a, a special operations group within Dark Fleet. And um, my group essentially did everything that nobody else wanted to do. 
So we, we have this high security prison that we need you to bust into, grab this person and make them magically disappear back onto our ship without the, those guys being able to follow us. Okay. And so Dark Fleet is, from what I understood, it's a negative group. Uh, is, or, or do we misunderstand that? So here's, here's what I will say. And this, I actually put this in my writings, actually, when it, when it came out in the PHR thing. It's really easy for people who've never been a part of a unit. It's easy for them to criticize it and say, well, this is what they do and they've never been in there. It's kind of like blaming somebody who never responds. That, does that make sense what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They yeah, have yeah. a group of people that they are constantly being blamed. It's like everybody wants to blame the Masons for everything. They want to blame the Illuminati for everything instead of accepting responsibility for the dumb shit they do. Mm-hmm. Right? Sure. And that's, this, this to me is kind of the same thing. Now, I would say this. CG was correct when he said that these guys coming into a room were very quiet. They do not talk unless spoken to. And they do have this kind of air of superiority. Well, the reason why is because we were constantly told if any other programs find out what you do, there is potential legal issues behind this because of what we're neck deep in the middle of. So we had a do not talk, do not ask policy about anything, especially in my unit. So we just didn't talk about it. We never let them know what we were doing. They had no access to our databases until recently. Um, ACIO and the old man made a copy of that database, which was given to Sigmund, which is how Corey and his group now have it. But the idea is, is that that's starting part of the disclosure process. They want people to know who was involved and who wasn't involved. Yeah. But the, but the bigger picture of this too, by the way, is that Again, like I said, it's really easy for people to make statements about a group who, who would never respond. Sure. And for, unfortunately, Corey's done that in that case. He's, he's never part of Dark Fleet. Well, what I thought the reptilians were somehow connected to Dark Fleet. Is that not is that accurate? So here's the way it breaks down, right? So 95% of the species we deal with are very nice. They're very positively aligned. Yeah. A lot of them are reptilian. The Draco are reptilians. But not yeah, all reptilians are Draco. negative faction of, yeah. Yes. But you said not all reptilians are Draco. That's what you said, right? Yeah. That's correct, yes. So the reason why I'm making that, def- that, that definitive statement is because of the bloodline and where those particular reptilians started. Three specific species all started on this planet. Really? The Draco, the Zeta-Reticulans, and us. They were all created here by different groups trying to create either slave races or have them work as administrators over the slave races that were here. The two groups that have been taking me at night. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Now, the bloodline that comes from the Draco that started here, this is where you hear that phrase, Sakaar. That's the original genetic bloodline. Alex Collier talks about, yeah, Sakaar. That's the original genetic reptilian Draco bloodline of the white royals and the queen that came from this planet, from their Eden, from here to elsewhere. And we didn't start here, by the way, just so we're clear. We were actually planted here by the Lyrans when they came here. We were genetically crafted, created, and then manipulated sure. later on. But the, the, the side effect, I think Alex Coyer even talks about that even to a certain degree. He does, yeah. But yeah. the idea is, is that the Draco started here. This was their home planet, right? When they left their Eden, 
they went to Thuban, which is where the Draco Empire sprouted up and became what it is today. Now, when I said earlier, 95% of these races are positive. They're very good. They like being around us. They want trade. They enjoy talking to humans. Yes, some of them do enjoy human delicacies. Um, and they do enjoy trading slaves for technology, genetic material for technology. We actually are the, one of the few races that can reverse engineer technology, which is where we come into play in the big picture of things. Everybody brings the, their shit here because they know that we can reverse engineer it and make it better. Mm. I, I mean, I've heard like we're great engineers. Humans are yes. great engineers, yeah. Because of how we think. We don't, we're not locked into a particular hive mind or group think like some of these other species are. That's the problem they have. They don't have any creative abilities. We do. And that's what makes us really, really good at what we do. So yeah. that's, why, that's why when anyone talks about this idea of giving up our individuality, i.e. transhumanism or the black goo, I get really like twitchy because I'm kind of like, no, we're giving up the yeah. one thing that makes us special in the universe. Yeah. Yeah. That, well, and that's why we're fighting against that agenda. Correct. Right. So, there, so there are reptilians within Dark Fleet. That, so were you working alongside them? When I first came aboard the Patton, yes, we had Draco aboard the ship as liaisons and as advisors. Even when I went to the Franklin, when we first got there, when I took over the Franklin, we had liaisons and advisors aboard the ship. But here's the thing, right? So one of the rules that's basically stipulated to Dark Fleet captains like I was is his captain's prerogative on how his ship is ran, right? Mm. Well, guess what? My first prerogative was get those freaking lizard motherfuckers off my ship. <laughs> I didn't want them there. Yeah. Nope. Goodbye. I'm doing black operations. I don't want you aboard my ship. Unless you're Terran, don't come here. Wasn't there some other type of like uh, sexual misconduct taking place on the ship? There was you- on the Patton and on the Franklin both. When I, when I, I had seen it as a security officer and as an MIO when I was working aboard the patent, but I wasn't in a position to say anything. Uh, it wasn't until the old man made me XO that I, I said, well, it, you know, is this now uh, something I am permitted to actually deal with? He's like, well, yeah, you're the XO of the ship. And I said, good. And one of the very first things I did was a, was a gentleman who had been repeatedly raping some of the female officers on board the ship. And I airlocked his ass. Nice. I put two bullets in his brain pan, shoved him out the airlock. I told two guys to go retrieve his body and, and blank slate him, send him back to the moon. <laughs> wow. Uh, That's called formal retirement, by the way, in, in Dark Fleet. Former retirement? Formal retirement. Formal retirement. Yeah, he, he's done. Wow. So then when he goes back to the moon, is he just a slave? Or? No, they blank slate him and send him back to the earth. Oh, or, they, or they send him to a slave colony if he's not Terran, yes. Interesting. Wow, this is fascinating. Even even the part where you talk about the hole opening up in the sky and, and guys dropping out, we've seen that in movies. Um, mm. I was just watching because I couldn't sleep the other night, the worst movie in the world, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. <laughs> where the hole opens up in the sky and these warriors drop out and they start bat- in the middle of a battlefield. That's the first thing I thought of when you said that. So a, a good movie to see kind of what we're talking about that sort of is a I would call it hard disclosure would be uh, edge of tomorrow live, die, repeat with Tom Cruise. 
the craft they use to drop those guys and the exoskeletons out of the ship is exactly how a tier three works. Really? Yep. It's exactly how it works. So the, so did you, okay. Uh, well, in your time in dark fleet, how did you get out of dark fleet? What happened? I, I didn't leave dark fleet. We actually defected out of dark fleet. Okay. Mm. So what ended up happening was the Draco essentially had went to the triumvirate. They basically the control, back. the triumvirate's like the control board. Yeah. The super board. Yes. The super ICC board. super board. Yeah. They had backdoored dark fleet by going directly to the triumvirate saying these guys, their ambassadors said, either you accept these terms or we're going to start renegotiating a bunch of crap. So essentially the old man was told directed by the board. These are your choices. Dark Fleet can accept the idea that slavery will still be considered being doable. And all of your officer corps will accept black goo, uh, you know, placement inside their bodies. Or we have to make other choices. And the, here's the thing that I keep telling people. The, the old man trained me and others to basically think, if you're going into a combat scenario, you never go into that combat scenario without being three to five moves ahead of your enemy. Never. Yeah. Up, to, up to this point in this decision-making tree, what the board didn't realize was these people who are forming the alliance and this lady Felicity had been talking with me and the old man a lot. And the old man basically said, I have 20% of the fleet already under my control. If I defect, these people are all coming with me. And they were all aboard capital ships and, and, and all the way down to like my ship, which is like a Corvette frigate sized ship. And when he gave the, the command, that whole group of people basically left Dark Fleet. We all jumped out and went to this predetermined location. We met with Felicity's group. And essentially, we formed what we would call today the Alliance. So that's, uh, that's amazing. That is that, amazing. That's a great story. Um, so the Alliance is just kind of like a breakaway of the hodgepodge of a bunch of different groups okay that's the old, solar, the old solar warden faction there's groups from there you have groups that are part of radiant glory and radiant guardian who also came into to alliance you have groups from like jdfc who are part of alliance you have groups that came in from like uh, like us that were all knockwaffen that came into alliance um but essentially that this group their their primary motivator was threefold one we had to protect Terra and the Terran system at all costs. Otherwise, the species that's here will never have a chance to fully get out into space and have a way to make sure it has survivability, right? Sure. Secondly, we will not allow black goo inside our solar system. If we find it, we destroy it. Good. We, we found multiple methods of that. The third one was the whole slavery subject which still gets me pretty worked up because that's something that I, even when I was in Knockwaffen before we uh, defected out, uh, I had problems with it. That's one of the reasons why I believe the old man chose me to put me in the command positions because he also had a problem with it, but he wasn't in a position yet to actually do anything about it. So he was already picking officers who, again, three to five moves out, he could put these officers in command positions and he knew that if he put them there, they were the same mindset he was. Okay, so, <laughs> so the alliance, um, what role are they playing right now as far as 
um, what we're seeing taking place on the planet? So you could kind of say the Alliance works alongside Space Force. They're not the same unit. Okay. Space Force is going to be, in my opinion, um, especially if this white hat general who's in charge of it stays there, they're going to be the people who we see initial disclosure here on Earth from. The way it's going to start out will be through power systems, meaning you'll have like fusion uh, reactors and other stuff that comes down to Earth that's workable. The second thing you're going to see is med tech. They've already got that started, by the way. If you look at some of the stuff that El uh, and I did on one of her videos. The Foxconn stuff? Foxconn and some of the other companies now that are producing actual proton bed and med bed technology is already here on Earth. They've already seeded that technology. It's already being put out, being used to stop cancer. Um, it's not a true med bed, but it is, it's kind of getting in that vein, right? Sure. Um, the other thing I would say is that the, the third thing you're going to see show up is improvements in terms of how we use technology down here. For example, using more hover technology, using more airborne technology, using less roadway technology. Um, the way we produce food, the way we grow food, all these things will start showing up and we'll be like, where did this technology come from? Well, it came from up there. Sure. You know, they've been growing food up there for you know decades. So so they grow it and use replicators, I guess, just depending on where what ship you're on? Depends on the type of food and it depends on what the food is being used for. Replicators is used primarily for mainstay food supplements. Grown material is used to offset for nutrients and not found inside replicators. Okay. So for example, imagine how like a macronutrient food like spinach. Spinach would get used to supplement some of the nutrients not found in the actual uh, replicator stuff. Interesting. Interesting. So you talked about the med beds. It, the, I, I think there was a location, was it California, where Trump, was a picture of Trump in the room with that bed that's like the the first version of the med bed the cancer curing one yes the, the 0.1 rev of that the, the alpha version of that med bed yes foxconn built their medical group built it they have another company who they sold the licensing that patent to and that company went and actually manufactured the whole med bed out and they tested it they found out that what the med bed really does is it actually looks for a certain cellular resonance that's not yours, i.e. it's cancerous. And it fires a proton beam at that cancer cell, destroying the cancer cell without even using any sort of knives or invasive technology. Nice. And that's probably used for what? Elites, celebrities, people who can afford it right now. It's yeah. obviously not publicly available. But this is exactly why Trump originally put out that notice where he said, I want all this certain, he put like 10 categories of technology yeah. So I want all of this declassified now. And it's also the reason why the CIA about crap their pants when it happened, because they're like, we can't release all this stuff right now. I remember that. Yeah. Well, he wanted all the patents, like so many patents to be released and all kinds of stuff um, because they're all tied up and just, they don't go anywhere. Well, what happened was, is this is where you see all these patents being found on Google patent search now. <laughs> yeah. Google being who they are. They dumped all the patents on, on into the, uh, the the patent office, the U.S. Patent Office, and all of a sudden, here's Google like, "Oh, we found all these patents for you," and everyone's like, "What the hell? Why, why is there a TR3 patent in there? You know, yeah. the TR3s don't exist." The uh, Salvatore Pais TR3B 
Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot of them. And there's been a lot of speculation around those patents because people are wondering why they're so publicly available. Like, and, or there's, or maybe some of them look like they're incomplete too. But here's, here's the reason why it happened, right? So originally those patents were part of what the U S patent office called a, uh, it was a secure slash uh, clearance level patent, right? By the U.S. military or, or by an intelligence organization. Google doesn't care where it came from. So they just lump some of the patents all in their search. Interesting. You know, hooray for Google, right? Yeah. So it's like all, all of a sudden Google. it's like, it's, it's like they don't care where it came from, but here it is. Yeah. Well, they probably figure for one, Nobody, nobody heard about it. Nobody knew about it. So if you're not searching it, you're not going to find it. Right. It just kind of slipped in under the radar. Until David Wilcock talks about it and gets it. <laughs> well, yeah, some, yeah, some of them. But, I mean, there's probably other ones. With, and I know this for a fact. You can't type in, you can't go to Google Patents and type in TR3B, even though that is the patent, TR3B. You need to type in the actual patent number. If you don't have the number, you can't search it. I've I've tried this because I was trying to, I was arguing with somebody. I was like, no, the patent's there. He's like, I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see it. And then I real I was like, oh shit, it's not there. But then I realized you have to type in the exact patent number. You have to have that number to pull it up. Yes. Or a link that takes you directly to that page. So it's not yeah. that easy. Yeah, or or if you have a copy of the PDF, you can go look at that number again and actually pull it up inside their search system. Okay. Yeah. Um, you said one time, uh, there's a, there's a picture of Trump signing a bill for space command or something. And there's two people next to him that yes. are Lyran commanders. Well, one was Lyran, one was Palladian, but yes. Okay. So that, okay. I have seen that picture. They look human. Well, uh, they're, they're supposed to look human. Sure. Do you, uh, can you explain to people how you, how you knew they were Lyran and so okay so this is kind of a convoluted story but i'll try to go through it quickly um so where the picture came from was a friend of mine was he works for secret service and he posts stuff sometimes on his his social media feed about stuff that he takes while he's with the president right well, this particular picture he put it up on his on the social media feed because it was kind of a significant bill of being signed with space force right yeah but he sent me a picture and he's like, he sends me this picture. He goes, do you know who these two people are staying to same immediately to the left of the president? Because you're right, his left. And I look at it and I said, well, the, the female standing there, she's a Lyran commander. The other guy thinks Palladian. He goes, that's exactly what this other guy talking to me said. And the reason why I knew this is because we as, we as Dark Fleet sometimes would go in and work with some of these other species. We negotiate with them. We do exchanges with them. Uh, the, the merchant marine fleet we had through ICC would be there doing the exact same stuff and exchanges and trades and stuff. But the idea is, is that we would see some of these beings there and energy wise and psychically you'd pick up on exactly who they are. You know, when you got around them, their energy felt very different. They looked human, but psychically they felt very, very different. So do you think Trump was aware that these are ETs or does he, does he think they're humans? He thinks they're humans. Okay. Interesting. So I wonder how many people within the administration and in politics in general and the government are ETs then. Almost every major government on this planet uses off-world security at this point. Well, with, just the, like, with the exception of the Russians and the, and the Ukrainians. 
Just like that uh, extremely tall guy that we see walking around with Trump. Everybody is speculating that he's an ET. Is that possible? Yes. Any idea what race or where he's from, or you just know he's off world? I haven't seen a close up picture of him yet, but I would speculate probably yes. He is probably an off world person. Yeah. Just walking among us, I just think that's uh, fascinating. Uh, you said that um, the Super Board has been taken over by a white hat. And a lot of these companies that were operating from the Super Board jumped ship because they realized that their their game was over. Um, right. what, uh, so what companies left? What is What does that mean for that white? That same white hat is the guy who's in charge of Space Force, correct? Yes, he is. So the easiest way to answer that question is this. All these corporations with negative influence on humanity, yeah, they're the ones that all jumped ship or wanted nothing to do with, with Space Force or the Super Board at that point. Specifically, Monarch and Mobius were the two first to go because they were like, nope, I'm not going to have some do-gooder telling me what to do, right? Well, now, yeah. Umbrella was probably the hardest one to figure out whether they were going to do anything or not because they're actually motivated primarily by profit. So if you're, if you're, let's say that you're somebody who is a general and you're manufacturing, you're, you're part of a company who's manufacturing, you know, bioweapons, your profit still may be there regardless of whether or not someone who's a white hat's in charge or not. So and eventually I think what happened was umbrella eventually left the super board because this whole talk about, you know, using, using Mobius tech, limiting cloning, limiting slave trade, all that stuff came up and they were like, no, 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 no. You're actually now impacting our bottom line. And they left. Do you think one of the sole reasons for Space Force to become public and, and to do what it's doing is to stop off-world trafficking? I think it's one of the initial steps will happen. Um, yeah. Once they get their head around what is actually going on, and what I mean by that is this general who's the white hat he has to understand what the full scope of what's going on in these programs really is. And I don't think he even knows yet. Now, there may be people in Alliance telling him what's going on. Yeah. But hearing something, it's kind of like us having this talk right now, right? You guys are mm -hmm. hearing what I used to do when I was in the programs. But unless you've actually been through it and you know what that actually means, it's a completely different level of understanding and awareness. Yeah, I fully understand that. Yeah. Uh and that's, that's exactly how I think this general feels. He, he, I think he now has a, like a mechanical knowledge of what's going on, but he hasn't actually worked with people who know what's going on. Yeah. That's, that's like, I was in, I was in construction and we would have these engineers come out and these architects and they would design stuff that actually physically couldn't be built. And we have to send it back. Like you don't understand, you can't get the tool in there to do this. They only have school training they don't have on the job training so they're designing stuff oh that works but it doesn't work so it's the same concept he just doesn't have an understanding of what's going on well i think there are people on his team now who were part of this icc super board the triumvirate who are now helping this white hat understand what's going on but i think the bigger picture of this is they also know some of these other groups these more negatively aligned groups like monarch mobius umbrella they realize that if if this goes the way it probably will go, they could face you know crimes against humanity charges at some point. Yeah, with yep. the International Criminal Court, and that's that's the bigger issue. Which with the rest of the Earth-based cabal, yeah, 
will be happening. Yeah. There will be people who are uh, political elites here in this country that people will not understand why they're being charged. You know, uh, these people that everyone looks up to and they're like, oh my God, these people are so awesome. And all of a sudden they're getting charged for crimes against humanity. And what these people don't realize is, is these particular individuals enabled these corporations to do what they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They signed bills, they signed executive orders, they signed documentation saying, yep, this is okay. Now, speaking yeah. of speaking of these people um, being charged, you ran into the Clintons on the moon one time, correct? How did that encounter? Yeah, I was in Kruger at the time. How did that, what so the way, happened? The way it actually happened, well, the way it happened for me, was, and by the way, I've had three other people confirm this story, okay? At least three others. Um, you guys may know who Will Glover is. He's done a bunch of interviews about SSP stuff. And Ted, of course, he also has two. They both independently confirmed what actually happened in this, and so did Peter. So they were all, we were all standing. Basically, what happened was we had this big dog and pony show. All these folks from Earth, these elites, they felt they were still on Earth up to a point. So the way it worked was they brought them through a gate system that brought them right into where the Kruger offices was. We're all staying out in front of this area. Remember I told you about the, the, the white tile with the red carpet on the outside? Yeah. So on that red carpeting area. Oh, hang on a sec. Yeah. You, you froze up for a second. On that, on that red carpeting, what happened? Well, if you look at that hallway, there's a section of white tiles yeah. with red carpet on the outside. And there is these purple cordons that we set up to separate the Kruger folks from the people who are doing the viewing, right? Okay. And what ended up happening was, is that you had the guys on one side, the females on the other, right? And essentially we were showing these VIPs that were coming through. These are the security assets we can use to help you guys out. Right. Yeah. And as they were going through the Clintons, and what, what I didn't realize was Ted did not realize he was staying right next to me during this experience. Okay. Because okay. we, as we're there talking, I started saying this and he went, Oh yeah, she, she did this. Right. So I'll we'll get to that in just a second. So here I'm standing at the very end of this line, Ted's staying right next to me, Peter's standing two people down from Ted and Will's standing all the way down near commander Aguma to my right. And they're all watching this happen. So the Clintons are looking, Bill Clinton's looking right at Ted and they're talking about, you know, how, how these super soldiers are built, what they can do. Well, I think Hillary thought she was being cute and she walked right up and grabbed me by the cod piece of my armor. And she goes, are these men fully functional? And she kind of winked at me. And then she looked over at Commander Naguma. I, I happened to glance at Commander Naguma and he's doing this whole like, shut it down, shut it down. Because mm. he, he knew I might react. Yeah, yeah. And he says, yes, they're fully functional. And, <laughs> and, and Hillary Clinton kind of let go and they kind of continued their walk. And they basically walked into this large like amphitheater sized room that has a viewing window outside to the outside of, of the, the complex. And they brought us in, they had us standing on one side of the room. All these VIPs were on the other side of the room. They're kind of watching out this window. And I remember hearing Bill Clinton say, well, what is, where's all this money that we spent? And they had a ship come right by the window. This massive ship moved right by the window. You can see people inside the actual viewing areas in the ship. And all of a sudden, all these people are like, oh, what the... 
and they were completely shocked by the size of this thing. Right. Really? So at that point, um, that, and the other thing too is, is that I think some of these VIPs knew that we were psychic, that we, the super soldiers had psychic abilities. Yeah. And that really wigged them out really, really bad because they knew that we could get into their head and figure out national security issues. And that oh. really bothered them really, really bad. So are there, is there securities against that happening? Uh, that a psychic wouldn't be able to figure something out like that? If there is, I haven't seen it yet. Okay. Interesting. Um, wow. How large was that ship that came by the window? Just uh, It was there... a frigate, a small frigate. I don't know what that is. <laughs> okay. So if you look at the, if you look at the scale of ships, right. Um, okay. Let me see if I can find this picture really fast. I may have another picture here somewhere if I can find it. Um, Apologies, oh, it's taking so long. I'm just trying to. Oh, you're good, man. I can show this picture really fast if I can to give you guys a scale reference on how this looked. Yeah, I'd um, love to see it. Okay. Yeah, here we go. So. All right. Here we go. So. Ironically, this is taken from a model that was actually sold here on Earth, believe it or not. Um, I've yet to find out where it came from, but this is actually the larger ship in this picture would be the patent. Okay. That, that ship's about 20 miles long. Wow. It's basically a Star Destroyer. And this smaller ship here would be, be about the size of the Franklin. And... So you're looking at one to five miles long, somewhere in that range. That's still massive compared to for what we're used to seeing. Yeah. Um, I mean, that looked exactly like Star Wars, Star Destroyer. I mean, yep. so that's uh, that's pretty fascinating. A frigate, by the way, is smaller than the Franklin. Okay. So it's maybe it's maybe two thirds the size of the Franklin. So you're looking at something that's in the range of like a mile to three miles in length. And that's what went by that window. Yeah, but that's still impressive if you've never seen anything like that. Yep. Are, are a lot of these ship, ships built on Earth? And then are, I've there heard some initial, There was an initial fleet that was built for, for Solar Warden on uh, Earth in the Wasatch Mountains. Was that the submarine ships? or No. Know? This was the actual uh, cruisers used by Solar Warden. Okay. The subs used by Nock Waffen actually were built on Earth as subs and then converted later on to get them off planet. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. because they could be sealed. But yes. It makes sense. Yeah. They were, they were converted later on. These ships that we're talking about here were actually built either on Mars or at New Corellia, New, New Earth or Corellia. Where's that located? Um, there's a, a planetary system. There's actually, uh, I've actually talked about this with Ted, actually. Uh, let me see if I've got it marked. So this new Corellia, new Earth, is, what's going on there? So this planet is essentially, uh, it's a super Earth, four times Earth's gravity. 
basically when you or I would go down there, we have to take pills in order to offset the gravity effects to our body. It'd still be pretty painful to walk around. So you're still usually in either an armor or an exosuit until you get adjusted. Um, and I was trying to find out what the actual designator, I, I wrote it down at one point from what uh, Connie had told me. Um, and the ironic thing is, is that designator has been found in the uh, exoplanet search. So, oh, really? So yeah. it's actually an astronomer could locate it if they wanted to. Yeah, they could tell you exactly where it is. Um, okay, so let's see here. I mean, are there, are there people like living there? Is there civilization there? Or is this like what's happening there? Uh, I'm looking at one second here. Um, So the system that is actually used for that planetary system is called Kepler-452b. And we actually have a couple of names for it, New Earth, Corellia, or what some people are jokingly calling Coruscant because, huh. it, because of the Star Wars reference. Um, that's, those are the, those are the, this location is Kepler-452b. And so essentially the way that planetary system works is they have, there are seven major spires coming off the planet. Those seven spires go outside the actual atmosphere of the planet. They go up to these docking stations and some of them are armed and armored. Some of them are not. Uh, Dark Fleet is the only group that uses Spire 3 because it's on the opposite side of the planet. And that's done for a reason because they don't want other folks knowing what Dark Fleet do what they have mm. uh so you have groups like you know radiant uh glory who do dock there you have groups like the icc um the merchant marine fleet that comes out there they, they do slave exchanges they do all kinds of stuff out there but that is what they call the alpha site if something were to happen to earth that's where all the elites all of these high-end people will be transferred to oh so they really do have a new earth ready <laughs> uh yes. That's interesting. Um, they, have a, they have a whole range of mountains that these uh, these dumbs, these deep underground military bases have been built under. And uh, they also have some cities on the surface that are like just above surface. They have all these facilities just around the spires. So if somebody wants to get a drink, if they want to go to a hotel, if they want to get like, you know, other services, they can they can actually find it there. Wow. So it's all set up. And there's people there now, I'm sure, living there as well. It's not just... Actually, there's generations that have been born there. Really? Yeah. And are they? do they think that... Do they know about our planet? Yes, they do. And they don't... They haven't been told it's been destroyed? No. No. And no you, the, the history there has not been revised, as it has been for some of the German colonies. Wow. God, there's, there's got to be so much misinformation out there. I mean, and this is only from your perspective, what you've seen, you know, imagine all the other people who have their own experiences in other places that you might not even know about. Correct. Um, where did you run into Corey and the programs? I only saw Mr. Good once, once and once only. Yeah. Um, and it's the reason why I woke up to where I am now and decided to come out to talk about it since I woke up, 
basically. Um, the memory that Connie had brought forth out of me basically said at one point uh, we had a communications system, a catastrophic communications systems failure aboard the patent because they installed some new technology and it was crap. And what ended up happening was on, on every ship, when you go through what's called intuitive empathic training on Mars, there's basically three levels of that training. The first is what they call just a, a, not a standard intuitive empath. The second level is called interfacer, which is what Corey did a lot of. That's what he's been trained to do. The third group is what we call astropathics. Now, what astropathics does, you can literally project and receive thoughts from, a, from planet to planet or from system to system. Oh, wow. And that's what I had. I've been trained that way. So, um, and also, you're also synced to an individual who's on the LOC. So if something happens, you can sink right into that person's thought pattern and say, hey, we have an emergency here. We need to do something about this. And there's usually four to five people aboard every ship that have that ability. They are considered that the communications fail safe back to the LOC. And then that's where, and so where did you encounter Corey then? I'm just, I'm just curious to see where this lines up. So what ended up happening was, is that when the communication systems failed, the old man grabbed me. He said, hey, you've got this level of training. I need you to send a message to the LOC to tell them we need help from anybody, any ship in the area that can bring new communications gear and replace it, right? I sent the message. I got a message back saying, you need to jump into the North Polar Orbit above Jupiter. And when you get to this area, punch into this area. So it's a, it's a pocket dimension. You have to punch in a certain way. I told the old man this stuff. He did it. And what it was was an ambassadorial site that was being used by many of the programs there. We were in, in orbit around this ambassadorial uh, uh, floating structure. And that's when the helicopter jumped in the system. Now, understand this, because everyone misunderstands this. Corey, is, he was never part of uh, Dark Fleet. At this point, he was part of Solar Warden. Okay. okay. What happened was, is that he comes across in a shuttle, a dart, with these three other gentlemen. I'm a security officer at this point. My job is to basically escort him and these, these other three guys to all eight locations where these uh, communication boxes are. They pull out the box. They pull out this little, what they call a QEC chip, the quantum entanglement communications chip. It's paired back to the LOC. They pull it out, put the new communications module in, put the chip in the new, in the new uh, uh, communications device. The old, communica old communication device is put back in a case and taken off the ship. Simple as that. Wow. And the whole time I'm seeing this guy, I'm listening to him talk to his teammates, and I'm watching all of these guys with, with three of my guys. And basically our job was to make sure he didn't look around at all. His job was to make sure he stayed focused on doing his job. Really? And ironically, in 2015, 2016, when uh, Guyam first put out Cosmic Disclosure, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, everybody that I knew was talking about this show. They were like, oh my God, this show's so awesome. It's like real life Star Trek, blah, blah, I was, blah. I was watching it back then. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I'm like, okay, well, I'll go check this out, right? So I went to Toronto episode one, and all of a sudden I see this guy sitting on the TV who is a part of this four-man team that I escorted around our ship. I literally had to pause the video because I, I didn't know if I was going to throw up or have diarrhea or both. Wow. 
it just just hits you like that. There's a trigger. And all this stuff that Connie had said in these papers, at that point, I realized were probably real. Wow. The gravity of that hit me like, like that. And I went to the bathroom. I'm trying to figure out, okay, what am I doing? Am I throwing up? Am I going to have diarrhea? Am I going to be close? <laughs> I mean, what, what, what the hell? Yeah. Right? I prayed to Ralph, the great white throne god, for a little bit. And when I finally got my shit straightened up, I walked out and just turned the TV off. I couldn't watch it. It took me two or three days to finally get back to actually watching that first episode. But the minute I heard him talk, I'm like, holy shit, this has got to be the same dude. Yeah. He looks the same. He sounds the same voice, same mannerisms. What the fuck, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, this has got to be the same guy. Has to be. And uh, listening to him talk about what his duties were aboard the ship, he was a technical crew member aboard the Helen Coiter, which fits exactly what you'd send over to our ship to do this kind of work. Yeah. So I just, wow. it really shocked me. I was, I was like, okay, so this means that what I was told by Connie was probably the truth and probably real. Yeah. Wow. So that was your, so that was fairly recently that you, all these memories came flooding back, which is impressive because when you're talking, this is a lifetime of memories. Yeah. And that's just, that blows my mind. That's really interesting. Yeah. So it shocked me because I didn't realize that I, I thought all the stuff that Connie had channeled was kind of like, or she had gotten out of me and she had the PHR session. She'd been writing down. Yeah, I thought a lot of it was kind of like, eh. but there were certain things that kind of stuck out in those messages, right? So one of them was the, the German being used. She actually went to one of the schools I went to college-wise, it was close, and she talked to a linguistics professor there. And she, one of the very first times that I spoke to her when she brought me under PHR, the post not Congression, I actually was speaking to her in German. The record, wow. I've never been taught German and I don't speak German. That was my altar telling her what was going on. Wow. wow. Johan was telling her what was actually happening. That's fascinating. And the screwed up part is this. Well, the screwed up part of, of it is this, right? So she takes this written document that has this whole story on it to this linguistics professor. He's a, he's a, he's a, like a avid like history buff and especially on World War II. And especially he's a German, he's a, he's a, he's a very high-level specialist in the German field, speaking the German language. He looked at it and he said, what book did you get this out of? And Connie kind of gives him this, I guess, this really screwed up look. And she's like, what do you mean, what book did I get this out of? Because that particular dialect has been dead since 1942, 1943. Really? Because when Third Army rolled through Germany, they wiped out that whole area around, around Durham. It's gone. South southwestern Germany, where that dialect came from, is gone. That dialect died during that situation. So where? So how did? So well, I'm just curious. So here's the thing, right? So, go ahead. Go ahead. That dialect it's been dead since 1943-ish. People in Germany do not speak it anymore. And here you have a live person in the middle of a post-hypnotic regression session, speaking a language that hasn't been spoken since 1943. Which would mean that, that those Germans uh, made it off-world, and you learned that language somewhere in the programs. Yeah. I was downloaded that. It was I was downloaded. downloaded. I was downloaded yeah. that version of German, yeah. Sure, sure. 
And then you still don't. But when you try and listen to German now, there's nothing. You don't understand it or anything. Nope. I've actually tried to learn German to see if I can unlock other stuff. And every time I've tried to do it, I get super bad headaches. I, just, wow. I, I, I don't know what it is about that, but it gives me really, really bad, almost like migraine type headaches. Wonder if it's some type of, um, or what do they call it? A block, but it's not a block. There's a, a term, a word for it. It's, it's, a trigger, like, like some sort of trigger. Yeah, that stops yeah. you from remembering it. Tony was talking to us about that. Yeah, he I forgot. And plant those. And yeah. Yeah, he used a word for it, but yeah. Um, and then you're, so you talk about, you used to uh, create an anchor point to remember, to be able to remember. So That's that was something, really that was something I learned as MIO. So as military intelligence officer, I've said this before, my clearance was the same as the captain of the ship. We're the two highest cleared people on board the patent at the time. Okay. I knew everything he knew in terms of like communications and who was doing what. Because my job was to essentially reprogram assets and give them upgrades, downgrade them, blank slate them, whatever. That was my job. So one of the things that I learned was that especially when it comes to um, trying to like recall memories or like have some way of getting past the, the programming, you have to create what's called a pain anchored center in the mind. It's outside that pocket of that particular altar. And that's where that pain anchor you talked about with my nails digging in the palms of my hands. Yeah. That's where that came into play. So you, so you would create pain for yourself to block the program or the, to block the blank slating. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And, but you didn't, even, but at the time, that's so crazy that you knew you were self-aware enough at the time to, to know, to do that. That's just interesting to me how that, well, there are other people who have had similar experiences. For example, like they get an injection, say, in the neck. The pain injection of the, at the neck point created the pain anchor, which is why all of a sudden they started having a recall elsewhere. Now, look at Corey's testament. That's exactly what happened to him, right? Yeah. That's why he started getting some of the recall he had. There are other people that have had, for example, injections in their arm or leg. They're doing some of these uh, blank slating processes, and they do the injection before they start doing the actual psychic work. And all of a sudden, they start having recall. I've had so, that's that's t- sorry. I, I've just, no sorry. I just I've had it's just on. I don't know what's. Ha- I I know that I've had injections right here. Um, I don't know why or what it means, but something's going on. Um, it's on a number of occasions I've had memories of of that uh, via dream state, but it's like a memory, and I wake up with that pain of some, like something there. It's probably a partial recall. Um, I know a lot of people have had that. And usually, like I said, that anchor point creates the gateway by which when you come into the here and now, if you work with someone who does QHHT or PHR or does sermonic soul retrievals, that anchor point becomes the way in which they can track that back to what actually happened. They can follow that energy back to the, the part in the brain where that memory resides. Wow. That's exactly what happened with me was that Connie basically started focusing on that. And uh, as she would crack that nut open a little bit, all of a sudden stuff would start coming out. You know, all these memories would start flooding out. So, yeah, that's, that's incredible. Um, so as far as um, like a disclosure timeline, have you been made 
aware of what that might look like for us as far as like first contact or um, med beds even like I know we talked about it, but do you know I know it's so hard to guess but I didn't know if you were set in on any of that or do you know I have heard other people said this including Randy Kramer CG has said this I have said this in the past I'll continue sticking my to my guns on this because I've been told by multiple individuals 2021-2022 post-inauguration is when you're going to start seeing some of this stuff hit the fan. Because they've been trying to figure out if this shit actually hits the fan, what do we do? Like, can we, can we write a policy ahead of time so we already have something in place where if something happens, we can just go ahead and do it, right? And that's exactly why I think they were reaching out to like people like me and other folks in the, in the disclosure community because they're trying to figure out, well, you guys are experiencers. You've been there. What do we need to do? How do we need to handle this the right way? Right. Yeah. And that's when all of a sudden I think, I think, well, this the communication with, with this guy started in January of, of last year. It, it's going to be something along the lines of you're going to see the, the medical technology, you're going to see potentially, you know, disclosure of other ET species, Antarctica, Mars. And so it'll start trickling out. You're going to see it come out in weird ways. You know, Space Force will come out and say, Oh, look, we've established a base now on Mars, even though we've had one there since, you know, the 40s. Yeah, make it, it's all, well, basically, that's what they do with any technology that gets released now, like the iPhone. Antarctica is going to be the same way. Well, what do you think an iPhone is? Essentially, this is a black glass pad right here, folks. Yeah. It is. It's just not transparent. Correct. Yeah. This is a simulation of the black glass pad technology already being shown right to us and we're being accustomed to it the way they we use it up there i mean i've seen prototypes of the transparent like iphones that fold in half and all kinds of stuff and that's the big problem is that you have these groups that that have to have buy-in on releasing this tech that comes right out of their programs right out of their budgets and all of a sudden they have to release that information in a way that the u.s population in the world sees it you think about it. If you land a TR-3B in the, in, on the front lawn of the White House, what are people going to do? There's going to be mass panic, especially when you see a human come walking out of the craft and we go, hey, look what Space Force built. Yeah. Even we've had it since you know, 1950. Yeah, well, I don't think, I don't even, even when we do get disclosure, I don't think that's how it'll happen. I mean, it's going to be integrated. It has to be because there will be panic. But I think this is... The, the images I'm giving you are, are the probable images that we're probably going to see, right? Yeah. You're going to see, you're going to see the medical technology come out first. And also the, the stuff that we use with our vehicles, the stuff that we use with our flying vehicles, all that stuff's going to hit first. At some point, that's when you start seeing all this discussion about Antarctica, Mars, the moon. When that stuff starts coming out, Space Force will come out with a massive statement saying, oh, hey, by the way, we've already established off-world bases. This is where they are, and this is what we're doing. And at that point, everyone's going to go, what? Mm-hmm. And what he's really saying in the fine print is that we just decided to take these facilities over, and they're now in a new management. Yeah. Now, I've heard the med bed. I've heard actually on the that, that four-hour uh, super soldier history. So you guys were discussing the, the black goo being um, – involved with the med some med beds to stay away from because there's black goo technology that's actually if you use that med bed it's going to affect your dna is that accurate 
Well, actually, it'll affect your ability to have your own independence. So this black goo, essentially what it does, it actually works as a symbiote within, the, within whatever biological entity it takes over. The reason why the, the Draco love it is because they can be hive-minded with everybody else that's infected. And they can dominate other people who are infected that way. Yeah. So if you have a, a Draco advisor aboard your ship, he can then command everybody aboard that ship to do whatever it is he wants to do because he's a stronger psychic source. Secondly, mm. and more importantly, that hive-minded technology means your IQ jumps way up because now you have access to all this knowledge, all these abilities, all this stuff that you as a normal asset don't normally have. And it creates wow. contain security containment issues if you're someone like me who is MIO and you specifically silo off information that does not need to be used by certain organizations or people, and all of a sudden everybody has access to that knowledge, uh, well, that creates a containment issue. Because there's no need for them to understand what's happening with certain assets or certain people or at certain locations. So only, the MI, only the MIO, the XO, and the, and the CO need to know that stuff. Well, doesn't the black goo like basically cut off your God connection? Yes. Which is, but we don't want that though. I mean, that would essentially stop us from ascending spiritually. But that's the whole idea. The, the Draco recognized two things. And they also have a fallacy about one thing. The fallacy is them being a fourth density species. They're the apex of evolution. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. They, not. they honestly believe they're at the apex of that. And we're like the cattle beneath them at third, almost fourth density. Well, that's how we're treated. <laughs> Yeah. But more importantly, what happens is, is they want to keep it that way. They want to keep that dynamic in play. Yeah. So they're using this the black goo technology to do exactly that. And the black goo also does not want us to be alive. It's essentially an artificially created species that it is the antithesis of God. It wants to kill every biological species out there once its, once its use has been done. Mm -hmm. wow. So. Yeah. And this is where we as a species have to make some decisions about our own evolution, our own survival, and our own procreation. Do we want this tertiary species, meaning the black goo, do we want it here and do we want it influencing our ability to evolve? My vote is no. Yeah. That's, cool. why, that's why I defected. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that would just be end game for humanity. There would be no more humanity. Yeah. Well, think about that movie I mentioned earlier, right? The, the whole uh, Edge of Tomorrow, Live, Die, Repeat. Yeah. Think about the stuff that Tom Cruise's character gets, in, in, gets into his system, that blood that looks like black goo, right? Mm -hmm. Look at X-Files with the, the guy who has the black goo in his eyes and how he behaves. That stuff completely overwrites and controls the person that it has in ways they have no intention of doing. You're familiar with Max Spears? Yes. Um, when, uh, uh, apparently, when he died, he threw up this black goo. Is that what that is? Yes. That's exactly what that is? Yep. I've actually spoken to his girlfriend, by the way. She's, she's a very nice lady. Um, she, she and James Rank were friends. No, oh, really? And when we did our show in October of last year in Vegas, she was there. And um, she was kind of reminiscing about him. But the idea is, is that you're correct. The black goo always tries to find a living symbiote system to be in that it can overtake and then it can manipulate. So how did he, did the cabal like 
do that to him or how did he get that in him? Well, I think that's a matter of speculation, right? So I do know for a fact there is black goo that has came to earth and it has been here. Um, and I've even talked about the whole squares of Saturn technology talk we did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That falls right in line with that. Uh, you look at the the actual tech type that's used at the for the center of the Hajj in Mecca. I've talked about that too, and the Cinnamoni stones. Those mm -hmm. are all pieces of these squares that have been launched from that system to here. So, so that black goo. Um, so how do we know? Like, could could I have it in me? Is there is that uh, how do we know? Well, here's the thing, right? So if you're making independent decisions and you're not hearing other people's thoughts, you're probably not infected. Okay. That's well, the then. first thing I'll say. In terms of killing it, there's only like three ways that I know of to actually stop it, inhibit it, or kill it. One is EMP. Two is using a Faraday cage, which most people don't understand how a Faraday cage normally works. And three is the gas that we actually recovered from the Lyrans. And that gas actually kills the host, but it also kills the, the black goo. Wow. Did you did you not say in one of your uh, interviews that you there's actually a part of the solar system or the universe or somewhere there like the black goo kind of has taken over and you can't yes. even you can, it's impenetrable as soon as you enter it it just destroys you like vaporizes you or something? Well, what happened? Uh, talk about the USS Galahad incident, right? So basically, the ICC sent this video to every ship captain out there and asked even certain organizations to disseminate among their ship captains because what they had done was they had been tracking these squares that were being launched from system B, which is where they are into system A, which is where the earth is. It was the exact same trajectory every time. And the ICC is like, what the hell is going on? So they sent the Galahad, which made multiple jumps, you know, 13 and a half billion light years to the system. And when it jumped in, it immediately was being interrogated by this black goose, AI nanite virus. All the communication systems started going crazy. The, the virus was trying to take over the ship electronically. They turned their, their repulsor shields on, and that's when the, the, the black goo started launching squares at the ship. Now, the video they showed was like the last minute and a half of that. It's probably one of the most horrowing things I've ever seen. Right. Essentially, what you see going on in the background is these these squares would hit the ship it would actually start dissolving the actual hull and then it would actually go after the crew turn that biomaterial into more like black goo based material um the captain kept broadcasting the video because he wanted people to see what he had found in real time and they found the home system of this black goo and here's the other thing too, right? So when we go through systems, when we jump through systems or we're traveling through space, uh, and Emory has actually talked with Emory Smith's talked about this a little bit. You don't need an actual, all you need is a very specific type of scanner to tell you what frequencies are present in that system, mm -hmm. meaning the frequencies of the species that are sentient in that system. You can tell this by doing a simple scan. Um, Dark Fleet had a catalog, at least on my ship, I had a catalog of almost 100,000 species that were known that were sentient and were living in different areas of the universe. Wow. And this particular species, meaning the black goo, uh, was cataloged and it was marked as invasive and dangerous. So why the ICC went in there, I don't know. But they were trying to find out where it was coming from and they did. They found the home system. And we actually, 
had, had basically said no one's going to be jumping into that system anymore. Of course not. You just wonder how something like that is even allowed to exist um, under the creator, right? Like, how does, like, where does that come from? Well, that comes from the idea of, of free will and choice, right? Sure. So we as sentient spiritual beings, we have a choice to decide who it is we wish to follow. And even by our own indecision, we're choosing who we're following, right? My feeling is that, you know, I believe that divine, divine creator is represented through this emotion of love, right? Mm -hmm. Fear is the other guy. And that is what this, this AI nanite virus feeds on is that, is that lower frequency. Yeah. Especially when it notices a biomass of, of sentient species who are vibrating in that area. Well, guess what? Earth for a long time had been in that space. So now all of a sudden we're starting to notice on our planet how the vibrational frequency is coming up because people are starting to become aware of who they are, They're becoming aware of their responsibility to the earth and other people, which is raising and changing that vibrational frequency. And guess what? Some species can't live here anymore because they don't resonate with that frequency now. And this is where the whole Schumann resonance and the discussion around spiritual awareness comes into play, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Wow. Well, this is a lot for people to unpack, and uh, this was a lot of information. This week, obviously, uh, we could probably do another interview with you and just get all new information. This has uh, been incredible. Thanks for coming on and doing this. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. Um, You're welcome. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, guys, thanks for listening. Um, uh, just a reminder, one more time, uh, the CBD Hopewell Farm, the promo code for that is uh, JTT15 for 15% off. And that does stack with um, free shipping over $200 or more. 10% uh, off the Omnia patches with promo code TRUTH, all caps. 20% uh, off um, uh, the t-shirts on Teespring with promo code Sleepy Joe. Uh, uh, and... Uh, what else is there? Oh, Starseed Adventures uh, conference in um, March in Florida, Cocoa Beach. Tickets are available for that. Um, come hang out with us there. It's going to be a great time. Uh, it's going to it's going to be a lot of fun. So if you if you can find a way down there, grab yourself a ticket. We'd love to meet you and hang out with you. Other than that, thanks for listening. Thanks again, Johan, for coming on. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, so I would say this: you can get a hold of me at uh, J O H A N. F-R-I-T-Z-S-S-P at protonmail.com. Um, you can always get a hold of me through Quantum Red Pill Cafe with Ted. We do a lot of videos on there. Super Soldier Talk with James Rink. Uh, Jessica Morocco and Peter, uh, what they're doing on her channel. And, of course, Guided with uh, Jody Renoso or Jody's Jones. All those folks are friends of mine. And, um, like I said, you know, thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate the people who are watching us and trying to get disclosure out there. Sure. You guys are awesome. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank yeah. You. Keep, man, keep doing what you do. I'm looking forward to the healing stuff uh, that you're talking about getting into. That's so crucial. Uh, so we'll be keeping an eye out for that. Um, thanks for listening, guys. Um, we'll be back next week with another, uh, another whistleblower with uh, more testimony on what's going on in the Secret Space program. So stay tuned for that. Until then, uh, have a great night.